And I'm having to learn some things that I thought I had figured out years ago as a believer that they're coming back. And it's funny how, how God is, is, is growing me. And I believe if he's growing me, he's got to be growing you. And so we're kind of growing together. Amen. So 2022 is in the can. The first month of 2023 is almost in the can. And we got some growing to do this year. And so the verse, or the, I should say the passage in Philippians chapter 3, this is the passage for our year that we're going to grow in together. And if you all want to turn there in your Bibles or on your devices, uh, I'm going to remind you what that passage is. And this is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. That verse right there should tell you, I need to listen to this because if we're honest, we are not perfect. Amen. None of us in here are perfect. I am certainly not perfect. None of us are. But there's a but here. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, and this is what we need to do. We're striving for the prize, what God has called us to do in this life. We're striving for our life to finish well. This is what we need to do. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Everybody says, forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ or God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature... How many of us are mature? We're mature, right? We're mature believers. We're mature enough to hear, hear this, to hear that I'm not perfect, to hear that I need to leave what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Those of us who are mature think this way. We need to forget what happened in 2022. In the sense, we cannot allow it to affect 2023. And everything that's going on between what lies ahead and what lies behind is a strain, as Paul calls it. It's something that we need to stretch forward. We cannot allow what happened in 2022 affect us for this year. The same faith we had in 2022 is not the same faith that's going to help us move forward in the things that God has for us in 2023. It's just not. And I believe there's some great things for all of us that he has for us this year. There's a lot he wants for us to do. But what's holding us back, I think, is we expect that with the same faith I had last year, with the same way I did things last year, is somehow going to get me through this year. And listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to survive 2023. I want to thrive Amen. in 2023. Right? So I'm kind of done with my routines, my mundaneness of my life. I, I want to spice it up a little bit. I think some of you could use a little spicing up in your, in your walk with Jesus, right? Listen, and I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, okay? And listen, I don't know about you. I love spicy foods, by the way. So when I think about spicing things up, it makes you kind of sweat, right? You know, I, I'm ready for that. And I think some of us need to trust God. And this is what this really is about today because what I said over the last three weeks with the help of my youth pastor, Pastor Elijah, was the stretch, if you will, the strain that Paul says between what lies behind and what lies ahead is doing something different. 
right? We need to do something different. That's the, the spicing up our walk with Jesus. And so the very first week I talked about how we need to do something different in our walk with Jesus. Maybe there's something that you need to do differently in your relationship with him to spice some things up, to stretch yourself, right? And we talked about what that is. Uh, I know Pastor Lisa talked about giving into the offering, how that is stretching your faith. That's one thing you can do in the midst of this economy, in the midst of your economic situation. Maybe you're unemployed, maybe you're employed. Just giving something into God's kingdom is something maybe you could do to stretch your faith because you've never done that before. Or maybe you could start serving in the church, put your hand to the plow and not look back. Maybe that's a step you can take in following Jesus that's different, that could stretch your faith. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. And if you don't, maybe you need to start praying about that. The second week we talked about having a different social network, right? Having a a different inner circle. Maybe the people that you're hanging around with, God is saying you need to ditch those people and go find yourself some new people. It's time to go find your tribe because the tribe that you're with is not the tribe that you need to belong to. They're not filling your faith. They're siphoning off your faith. They're not encouraging you. They're not pushing you. No, misery loves company. They want you to be miserable with them. So maybe it's time to take that tribe and tell them to go pound sand and I'm going to go find me a new tribe. And guess what? We have a tribe of people in here that love Jesus that would love to be in your inner circle. So if you're saying, I don't have anybody, well, guess what? You just found somebody. There's about 200 people sitting in here. Yep. Yep. We would love to have you be part of our family as you're part of God's family to encourage you to move forward to what lies ahead. And then last week, Pastor Elijah did a great job. Different attitude, right? He did an awesome job. We need to have a different attitude. A little bit of swagger in our walk, Okay. Different attitude goes a long way, and that really spoke to me, man. I sat here convicted by what he was preaching on because my attitude kind of stinks, to be honest with you. Like, we love to tell God how much things are not going our way. We love to grumble. Man, even after I've been preaching this, he preached this last Sunday, I found myself last week in my prayer time, man, grumbling. I'm like, and it's like, why am I doing that? Like, I'm like a hypocrite. Like, I've been telling people to, to have a different attitude. Pastor Elijah's saying that. I'm saying, do something different. You're walking Jesus. And, you know, and I'm doing the same thing I've been doing, complaining and grumbling to God. It's the whole thing we read about last, last couple of weeks about the children of Israel. Like, they had God right there with them. You know, we know God is with us. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we know he's with us. We know he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's he's in here. He's in here. He's around us. But see, back in those days, the Israelites could see him. Whether it was a cloud, whether it's a pill of fire, whether in the tabernacle, whether manna was falling from heaven, quail, parting the Red Sea, the plagues. We can go on and on and on. And they complain, complain, complain. And my entire walk as a believer over the last almost 27 years, I would read those passages and be like, who are those people? What's wrong with them? Man, God is right there doing all this stuff and they're still grumbling and complaining. And then he said to me one day, that's you. I'm like, oh man, man, that's you. It's our default mechanism. 
Man, I haven't even gotten into my message yet, guys. I'm sorry. It's our default mechanism to gripe and complain. And I am the chief of that. Paul may be the chief of sinners, but I'm the chief of complaining. So this week, what I want to talk about is having a different kind of confidence. And I think that'll go a long way for us because some of us in here, we're we're focusing on the wrong things for confidence. Like if I'm gonna do something different in my walk with Jesus, take a different step that I've never taken before, if I'm gonna look for different people, maybe those people I have in my life are good, right? They're really good and they're great people. They're They're not siphoning off my faith. They're filling my faith, they're helping me out. So maybe your different step is to go into people that are not having that kind of faith and bringing them into your tribe, okay? If I'm going to do that or, or if I'm going to have a different attitude and quit complaining and actually focus on my purpose, which is, by the way, to glorify God, to worship Him, to praise Him, and then the rest will fall into place and you'll know exactly what it is you need to do with your life if you're focusing on Him, all right? If I'm going to do that, then, then I need to have my focus on godly confidence, and not the world. I need to be confident in him and not in myself. And that's really ultimately what it boils down to. The fact that I'm complaining all the time is confidence in the world system, which is broke, by the way. Confidence in me, which is also broken and needs Jesus, right? That's the wrong place to focus on my confidence. So my confidence has to be in God. Has to be in what Jesus has already done for me. Has to be in the fact that what Paul is saying here is the prize, right? We're going to obtain that prize one day. That's what ultimately lies ahead is that prize. And that prize is being with Jesus for all eternity. So if I know that's going to happen in my life because I've received him as my Lord and Savior and I'm following him, then man, nothing else matters. My confidence needs to be in him and not in anything else. So with that, as I could take a breath and get into my message, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for everybody that's here today, everybody that's watching online. I thank you that... When we leave this place today, our confidence will be recentered on you, not on anything else. I just ask that as I speak today, that the words that come out of my mouth be the words that you want me to say. And we just pray this all right now in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you in here like movies? Man, if anybody knows me, I am a movie buff. I watch everything and anything. And I love looking at it from all kinds of different angles. The acting, the cinematography, the soundtrack. Like, I just love movies. And I do love some of the cult classics that are out there. And there is one in particular that some of you I'm sure are familiar with called Saturday Night Fever. Now, I know I'm, I'm bringing you way back, right, to 1977 when John Travolta actually looked good, right? And he played this young man named Tony in this movie. And really, really it focused on the life of these young, young people in New York City and the Bronx in particular in the, the disco era, which I do love that kind of music and I love uh, watching them dance and that kind of thing. But the opening scene to that movie is probably one of the most iconic openings in any film. Like if you were to think of a cult classic and you start thinking about Saturday Night Fever, then you know how it's going to open. And it's Tony just walking down the streets of New York, just strutting along, you know? And just, you see him in his clothes, 
You see how his confidence is. You see how he's, he's looking up and not, not down. And he's, you know, he's got great posture. And he's just moving. And, and he's just so confident. And, of course, there's one scene where he turns around and goes after this young woman who's walking down the street and starts to try to ask her to go out. And she's like, no, get away from me. But it doesn't impede on his confidence. He just keeps on going, you know. It's Tony, man. And see, that's the kind of confidence that I feel like that we in this world start to have, that we by default have that kind of confidence, right? Like my confidence is in what I wear. I mean, how many of us have gone to our closet this morning and was like, what am I gonna wear today? Because what I'm wearing is gonna give me the confidence to step into that church, right? There's probably some of us that think that. Lord knows I have to check with my wife. Hey, honey, is this good? Because she wants me to look good, right? And so sometimes I think we put our confidence in things like that, like what we wear. Maybe some of you put your confidence in your job. Now, I used to do that. Like my corporate life, man, my confidence was in my job. And that's what provided my income was my job, right? That's what provided my self-worth was my job. How many of you in here could say, hey, my job gives me confidence, right? Sometimes we put it in our education. And we're seeing that nowadays, right? <laughs> Some of those people that are considered educated really are not educated, but they do have a lot of confidence in what they're saying. The world system, it's broke. There's people that have dependence on the government. Man, that's the last place I want my confidence in. And there was a period of time, and this is not wrong for those of you that are on unemployment, and you had to get unemployment insurance, as I've done that too. But what I've learned in that process is that by golly, my confidence is not in the government. But I think some of us, we place our confidence there as well. All these things, we put our confidence in. What God is saying is, no, I need you to put your confidence in me. In me. Because what happens is when you put your confidence in those things that are not of God, then you'll be like the Israelites who says, is God really among us? You'll wonder why things are not happening for you. You wonder why you still feel kind of, ugh as you're going through life. You'll wonder why you're still in what lies behind versus pursuing what lies ahead and you're stuck. It's because your confidence is not in the things of God. So this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna go back into Joshua and we're kinda of continuing this story. We started out with God taking Moses and using Moses and to get them out of Egypt and the children of Israel eventually wind up in the wilderness. We talked about how, how Moses, because he tapped the rock twice and not spoke to the rock, showed God that he didn't have the faith for, tw- for not for 2023, but did not have the faith to move into the promised land. Am I right? Because he said, you didn't believe in me. You didn't speak to the dang rock. Instead, you tapped it. Shouldn't have done that. So you're not going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Congratulations. And we talked about how Moses sent out the 12 spies and they actually went out to the promised land and they came back and 10 of them said, man, we can't take it. Well, we know what God said, but forget about all that. We can't take it. There's your confidence, right? The giants are too big and the cities are too fortified. Again, their confidence was in the natural circumstances. And so finally, what God said is none of you then are going to go. You're all going to die in the wilderness except for Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua, you're going to lead the children of the children of Israel into the promised land. And eventually, 
they conquer the promised land. This is where we're going to pick up. This is in Joshua chapter 14. If you want to turn to your Bibles, you can turn there. Joshua chapter 14. Now, I think I'm getting into my message now. We come to the end where they've conquered the promised land. They still have battles to fight, but for the most part, the war is not necessarily over, but they have conquered the promised land. And Caleb goes to Joshua as Joshua is starting to hand out chunks of that promised land to those that are going to inherit it. Caleb goes to Joshua, and this is what he says in verse 5 of chapter 14. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephthunath, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers, those are the 10 that went with Joshua and Caleb, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Is Caleb being kind of uh, snooty here? Is he being too self-confident when he says, I wholly followed my God, no, he is not. See, the thing is that Caleb had godly confidence because he knew what God said about him. He knew what God said about him. God said, you have wholly followed me. And why? Because they believed what God said about them taking the promised land. Unlike everybody else that did not believe. This whole thing about wholly following God fully committed, all in. When that happens, and when you make that decision, guess what? The devil is going to come and start picking at you. The world is going to start closing in on you a little bit. But see, Caleb, Caleb wholly followed God no matter what. And let me tell you something. Joshua and Caleb, as they were conquering the promised land, went through a lot of stuff to end up where they are here in chapter 14 of Joshua. A lot of stuff. They still held on to what God said. They knew what God said about them, that you are faithful and you wholly follow me. So my question to you is, what was the last thing that God said about you? Do you know? Have you even thought about that? Yeah, there is this thing called personal relationship with Jesus, right? That's the whole reason why Jesus came, was so that we could no longer be separated from God, but now be joined together with him in a personal relationship. That's what God wants. That's his passion. That's why he sent Jesus, no longer separated, but now together. Now we have a relationship, and that's awesome. God wants intimacy with his creation, us, man, his prime creation. He wants that. And so if you don't know what he has said about you, then my challenge to you this year maybe is to start digging into his word and spending time with him to find out what he's saying about you. Because what he said about Caleb and Joshua through Moses is you fully follow after me. How many of us would love to hear that? Like, I want to hear that one day. Like, hey, you're fully committed to me. You're fully following me. 
You're giving me all you got. That's awesome. But you ain't going to hear that unless you have a personal relationship with him. Now listen, the Bible is the primary way he speaks. And I've said that before. And I've heard other preachers say that too. And that's absolutely true. Because when I read the Bible, there's a lot of times, not all the time, but there's a lot of times the Holy Spirit will speak through a verse and say, that was for you. And that's awesome. And I love when that happens. And my encouragement to you is that that does happen to you. And I promise you that it will. If you open yourself up as you're reading the word, it will. Write it down. Write it down. So that if somebody were to ask you, so what was the last thing that God said about you? You could be like Caleb and said, I wholly follow God because that's what he said about me. And see, if you know that, then that's going to give you the confidence to keep moving. Like, if God said that about me right now, hey, Jeff, you're wholly following me. You're awesome. You're faithful to keep mom moving. Guess what? Man, that's going to give me that encouragement. I don't care what the world says about me. God just said something powerful to me that I'm going to carry moving on forward into what lies ahead. The word is primary, but there's also this place called the secret place. This is the prayer closet time. This is the having that, that sit down quiet time with Jesus and tuning everything else out. This is praying in the spirit. For those of you that are filled with the Holy Spirit, we get into that later, but there is this private prayer time. Jesus did it all the time. He went away into the wilderness by himself, away from people to hear what God has to say because as he said, I do what the Father tells me. I do what the Father, what I see the Father do, I do also. There is that relationship time. There is that personal time. That is gonna give you the confidence when you know what God says about you. And I can tell you what he has said about me. And sometimes, huh, just like this last week as I was griping and complaining, griping and complaining, he says something to me that just pierced me, but it still gave me confidence. What I heard him say to me was Mark chapter 8. And there's a verse that Jesus said, whoever picks up, his cross and picks up his cross and follows me, others will know that they are my disciples. And that if you were to save your life, you will lose it. And if you will lose your life for me, then you will save it. And that was kind of like a sucker punch because I wasn't expecting to hear that. But what he was saying is quit complaining, pick up your cross and follow me. And that gave me confidence to keep on picking up my cross and following him and realizing that I have voluntarily given my life up for him. So what has God said to you about you? If you don't know, read the Bible. If you don't know, spend time in the secret place praying, praying for, for that word. If you don't know, even after all that, then go back to the last thing he told you and hold on to that. Amen? Verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Man, part of me reads that and I wonder if he meant physical strength or spiritual. Maybe both. Like when I'm 85 years old, I pray my faith, if not the same strong faith that I have now, is stronger. But he's saying here, I'm still as strong as I was. 
40 years ago. My strength is now as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day for you when you heard on that day how the Anakim was there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. So what he's saying here is God promised me this land. He said I will have it. He said that every place that I put my foot on, he has given to me. He said that, that, that men will try to come against me, but they can't stand before me all the days of my life. Like, he promised me these things. And because I know that, I know that I'm inheriting this portion of the promised land. God gave it to me. Like, there's some kind of confidence there, right? Like, I know what he says about me, and now I know what he promised me. And because I know what he promised me, then that gives me an opportunity to see what lies ahead, and now I know what to stretch out towards. And folks, that's one of the things that I'm actually wrestling with right now in my relationship with God. Like, I know what you've said about me, but what's, what's that, what's the future? What lies ahead? What is it you're promising me? between now and the time that I go to be with Jesus, which hopefully is a long time from now. What is it? And it goes back to that relationship. And I think as we're moving on, I think that the thing that we need to remember is even when I don't know, it's keep moving. It's keep moving. It's keep coming to church. It's keep praising Jesus. It's keep spending time with him. It's keep being in the word. It's keep reaching out to people that don't know Jesus. It's keep praying for people that do know Jesus that are in your life that need a move of Jesus. <laughs> it's keep doing what you're doing with that different thing that we talked about the last, over the last few weeks with a different attitude, different inner circle, different step of faith. Keep moving. And you want to know something? That's what he's telling me is keep moving moving. I would love to say he's promised that this church is going to be a thousand people by the end of this year. Oh, sweet. Let's go. I, I would love to say that he promised me that the things that I'm going through in my health would be healed by the end of this year. I would love to think that just the things that I'm going through that are other challenges that I have, that they'll be gone by the end of this year. But no, all I'm hearing is keep moving. And I think that's a word for somebody in here as well. Keep moving. And why? He says, again, I'm repeating this in, in verse 12, towards the end, it says, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. So the third thing in having confidence in God is knowing that he is with you. And that's hard sometimes. It's hard because as you're walking through things, as the stuff that happened last year is being carried over to this year, and we're not seeing God move the way we want him to, then we're just like the children of Israel and we're saying, is God really among us right now? Is he really with me right now? And that's the thing is he's saying, I am, 
I am with you. You need to know that. And I can't tell you how to experience to know that. This morning, how many of you when you're worshiping this morning felt God's presence? Can I see your hands? All right. Do you think it's because we're all in here gathered together corporately? Or do you think maybe that was a personal touch on your life? It's all about perspective, right? See, for me, yes, God gets the glory for moving in our church, absolutely. But if I'm standing down here and I'm worshiping Jesus and my focus is on him and I feel his presence, that's giving me the confidence of knowing that he is with me, that he is with me. See, now I'm ready to leave this building with a spring in my step talking about John Travolta, right? My confidence is in what he said about me, what he's promised me, and the fact that I know he is with me. And I think some of us in here, me included, need to be meditating on those things. Because... Can I be honest with you guys? As a pastor, the thing you want to see the most is people responding during altar call. That if they need to know Jesus, they raise their hand, right? If they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they raise their hand. If there's empty seats, as a pastor, what you want to see is seats that are full. And what God is convicting me of is your confidence in that do you receive confidence because people are raising their hands to receive my son do you receive confidence because every seat is full and we're going from one service to maybe having two services at church is that where you're getting your confidence from Jeff or is it simply in me did I tell you to fill every seat did I tell you that you're gonna have 20 hands being raised to receive Jesus every Sunday? No. What I told you was to keep moving. And I had somebody this morning (laughs) confirm that word. You just do what God tells you to do and leave up the rest for him. And that right there is godly confidence. (laughs) That's confidence in him not in anything else. Verse 13. Then Joshua blessed him. He gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he did what? He wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. These are the the people that he still had to eradicate from that land. But here's the final section of this verse that just absolutely gutted me. And the land had rest from war. The land had rest from war. Was the war over for the Israelis? the children of Israel at that time. No. They still had Canaanites they had to kill off. They were eventually going to face the Philistines. They were going to face the Babylonians. They are going to face the Romans. Man, fast forward a 
couple thousand years to 1967, they're going to face a whole lot more of the entire Arab world is going to come against them in the Six-Day War. Now the nation of Israel, now it's reestablished as a nation, is facing worldwide persecution. Gosh, even from the United States. It's like, are we really going to support them or not? The war ain't over. I have read so many accounts of soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines that under enemy fire are still able to keep their wits about them and do their mission. Bullets are flying and it's like they're not even reacting to it because they have confidence. It's like we as believers, the war ain't going to be over until either we're raptured or Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom here on this earth. That's when it's all over. I mean, honestly, if we really want to look at it from this point of view, because this is how I look at it, is Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, war is already over. It's already been won, folks. I got a, a, a letter in the mail, and I know I'm kind of all over the place today, guys, so forgive me. So I got a letter in the mail today, uh, a couple, week, couple days ago. It was from something called History in the Mail, and somebody gave me a, pres- a subscription for that, and I could see because the person's smiling at me. So every month I get something in the mail about history, and what I got in the mail a couple days ago was a letter that General Eisenhower sent to all the men that were about to invade Europe on June 6th for D-Day. And, and I started thinking about how this applies to today when we can look at the fact that the land had rest from war. Even though the war was not over, they still had rest. And historians can go back and look at that battle, D-Day, the invasion of Europe, and they can pinpoint it and say, that's the moment when the war was over. As soon as the Allies had a foothold on mainland Europe, Nazi Germany was done. That That was the end of the war, essentially. And see, the war for us is already over. It's already been won, praise God. But we still have battles to fight. And so Caleb, man, and Joshua saying here that the land had rest from war, but yet Israel even now is still having battles to fight, but they are still able to rest from the war. If we can have godly confidence in the way that I've described it today, then you can have peace in the midst of all the battles that are coming into your life. Because when you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up to be part of the war that's already been won, but you still have to fight the battle. And the only way you can rest from that war is to have confidence that God, what he has said about you, what he has promised you, and the fact that he is with you. Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one in closing. So I want to go to the beginning before they started to move into the promised land. Beginning in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is what? Dead. Dead. Is there something in our lives that needs to die before we move forward this year? Is there something? Can you imagine for 40 years, Joshua and Caleb had to wait for the children of Israel to die off and for Moses to finally die so they could move on and move into the promised land? What is it in our life that has to die so that we can strain forward to what lies ahead? And maybe today is it. Maybe it's, I need to replace my confidence with the things of this world and put them in the things of God. Now therefore arise and go over the Jordan. You and all this people into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I what? Promised. Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. This is a word for somebody in here too. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will what? Be with you. That promise carries thousands of years forward to us today. Just as God was with Moses, He's with us. He's the same God yesterday, today, forevermore, unchanging, loves us, is mercy upon us, has his grace upon us. The same mercy, grace, love has for Moses, the fact that he was with him. Guess what? He's with us as well. I love how God describes the boundaries for the promised land. This is what I'm going to give you. And see, that's where this different faith comes in. Like, I know he's got something great for me. I just don't know exactly what it is. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to get it. But that's where the trust in him, the confidence in him comes into play. He goes on and says, I will not leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He may not seem like he's there, but he is. That's where you got to trust. It's not by feelings. He is there. He said he would be, so i got to trust that, right? But he also says, I'm not going to forsake you. You know what that means? He's not going to forget about you. He's not going to leave you and never come back. He never left you to begin with, and he certainly has not forgotten you. Has not forgotten what you're going through right now. And that's why I believe he's using me and Pastor Elijah and others to say, do something different. He said, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Folks, this year, it's crazy. I can't find chicken on the shelves in the grocery store. The eggs are not there. I'm like, what is going on? What is going to happen this year? When's the next shoe going to drop? Uh, as God said, be strong and very courageous. And how do I do that? Being careful only to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success. Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. That's a word for somebody else as well. Stick your nose in the Bible. Stick your nose in the Bible, not just for church, but for yourself, for your relationship, not just for their relationship. Stick your nose in the Word. So my something different this year is I'm starting to memorize entire passages so that it goes from here to here. And whenever I start having a complaint or a wayward thought of something that I know God does not want me to have, then I start to remember these passages. And I've only gotten two down this year. Got a long ways to go. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, what? Prosperous. And then you will have good success. Isn't it amazing to me how simple God is sometimes, right? Very black and white, very clear in what we need to do, but yet we just don't do it. And man, he must have a lot of patience with us. He repeats in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with us. Man, how many of you right now are feeling a little more confident regardless of your situation? I am. The main point is this. The main point really for the entire series is you can rest in the war because you are confident God has already given you the victory. So let the bullets fly. Let those fiery darts come. Man, I know there are times in my life and I'm wondering what is going to happen to me next. Well, guess what? Sometimes, sometimes it's bad. And what are you going to do when it is? Be reminded by God to pick up your cross and follow me. I know we're charismatic believers in here. Nothing bad can ever happen to us. Well, guess what? It does. Suffering is promised. Challenges are promised. But how are you going to negotiate those challenges in your own strength, in the world's strength, in your ways, in the world's ways? God says something funny that your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. So maybe, maybe the charge this year is to align ourselves with His ways and His thoughts. And that right there should be a big resounding amen from all of us in here, including me.